files of the Horror Press estate, and welcome to a new episode of the Horror Press Podcast, a podcast brought to you by HorrorPress.com. My name is James Michael, and I'm the curator of all things Horror Press. As always, this show aims to bring you the latest horror news you may have missed or overlooked, a place to quickly cover the happenings of the horror world, whether that's studio announcements, movie releases, or box office numbers, as well as some light genre discussion. Just a heads up, if you're joining us the week of September 18th, the Horror Press Instagram is having a giveaway. One lucky winner will receive a special limited edition 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray of the cult classic It Follows, which comes with a whole bunch of goodies that any fan of the movie is sure to appreciate. To enter, make sure you're following the HP Instagram, at Horror Press LLC, like the giveaway post, tag a friend, and make sure you're signed up for our monthly newsletter. The lucky winner will be selected on 922, and entries are limited to US-based addresses only. Today I'm joined by John McGuire from 321 Action Games to discuss all things horror and their game, The Hotel Exorcist, which is launching on Kickstarter October 13th. Hey John, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Pretty good, enjoying this nice fall day. I mean, very surprised since it's been hell on earth. I know. It's... We went from molten hot to just straight up fall. Yeah, there's no rhyme or reason to it anymore. I think that, you know, we, we were chatting about this a little bit before we started on, you know, when we were younger, we had definitive seasons. Now it's kind of like you may get part of the season. You may not get part of that season. It may feel like, you know, summer, fall or winter spring but not actually like committing to anything so i did a little digging cool and um well not that much digging but there's not much to be scrubbed (laughs) you used to be a scaredy cat and um this month all all september long we've been doing gateway horror at horror press and um i see that probably one of the first gateway horror movies for you was monster squad it was and before that, like, Chucky terrified you. Oh, yeah. Um, I think your brother had a good guy doll or something. Yeah, he had, right? a my, he had a My Buddy, which, like, the timing of that. Have you seen how much they go for nowadays? Oh, yeah. You know, because there, there's that moment where you, pre-internet, like, you just, you, you saw things and then it was either there and it stayed there or it was just gone. So, you know, it's fun for me to kind of like go back and like look up things that I would see like when I was younger and be like, was that real? And I was like, yeah, my buddy, like how long was that around for? I was like, was that actually like a successful thing? Was it like a thing that just it popped up and it was gone? But apparently it was like a thing for a little bit. It was real? My buddy? Oh, yeah. I thought it was just like a movie tie in. No, uh, my buddy and kid sister. They had one for boys, one for girls. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. How do they get away with using that in the movie? Do they like buy the rights of the doll? I don't even know. I mean, it's. I think a different enough that it could be considered parody. And also like at that time, like people were a little more loosey goosey with like the rights and allowing people to do stuff. They, they weren't, I think so much concerned about, you know, how that would affect the brand of like a kid's toy, because in the end of the day, you know, pre-internet. And I do talk about this a lot because I think it's, it's a fascinating thing that, you know, the next generation of kids won't really get because, they've all come up with the internet. Like the internet's been there their whole lives, but like pre-internet, like if there was an R rated movie, it was an R rated movie. And if there were commercials for that R rated movie, they were not shown at the hours where like kids shows would be shown or they wouldn't be shown on the same networks that kids shows would be shown. And if it was like, you know, a kid's toy, you would see it ads for it only at certain hours of the day, like after school, before school, things like that. Um, now with the internet, everything is going at all times. And then, you know, you have networks that are like, well, you know, whatever it's, you know, kids have the internet, but we can't hide it anymore. This, this exists and this is Chucky, but there was also this other doll. So I I don't know that it was as much of a concern back then as tarnishing the brand between the two, you know, nowadays that would be like product suicide. Like imagine if Furby had a movie where it was murdering people. Well, well, would that make Furby more popular or less popular? <laughs> um, Mitchell's versus the Machines on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it. it no, is, I haven't. It's an animated movie. It is absolutely fantastic, and uh, and Furby pops up in there. So it's I don't want to spoil it. But nice. I, I definitely think it's it's one of the one you know animation kids animation these days they it's come such a long way with the quality of storytelling and this thing you know 
you know, my soon to be very soon to be wife and I were dying, like laughing, watching this movie. It's but like when the Furby pops up, you're like, oh, my God. How sad is it that the current gen Furby is like not smart anymore? Like they took away the AI. Which is funny because AI is so prevalent and so like robust. Like now it's like, well, just just pop the pop a little chip in there. It'll, It'll do what it'll do math for you. Imagine like an Alexa enabled Furby or something. Oh my gosh. And I'm so glad that we have headphones in when you said her name out loud because otherwise they'd all be going <laughs> off in the house. I I only have one and I literally never use it. Never. Like when I wake up sometimes I'll I'll talk to it and be like what's the weather like outside. Otherwise it doesn't get yeah. too much use. I'm scared to use it too much cuz I have a parrot and she'll start ordering things. Oh and, yeah, that's know. that that's living dangerously, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, another movie that was very important to to you was Tremors. Yes. How sad is it that we got so close to it getting a reboot with Kevin Bacon and it got canceled? I know. Uh, you know, it's it's so weird. Like for those of you who are just completely unfamiliar with me, uh, I've told a story in one of the the books that I wrote about my my first experience with horror. You know, I, I grew up Abbott and Costello, Meet Frankenstein, the Universal monsters were fine, Scooby Doo. I I love more than almost anything. But like when it got to like real monsters, I would I would get really scared as a kid. So Tremor scared the shit out of me to the point where when I was in the theater at a kid's birthday party watching it, I had to leave and go watch The Little Mermaid instead, which, by the way, is a fantastic movie. Like if you haven't watched the original Little Mermaid, it is something special. But yeah, like the creatures are so gnarly and the fact that they could come out of the walls or come out of the ground, it, the graboids are just I don't know, man. It, it just captivated my imagination, but terrified me into going to see a, a musical comedy. But, oh, God, I would have paid to see the reboot. Like, not even a reboot. What do they call them now? Requels? It would have been a requel. Yeah. It, Tremors, to me, also terrified me as a child. Like, I don't think I ever looked at a sandbox the same ever again. For some reason, to me, I just equated the sandbox with Tremors. Yeah. And, like, sometimes you would find, like, the dried up fucking worm in there, and I'd be like, oh, my God, it's a baby Tremor. Yeah. Oh, and no. it it terrified me. Um, the ground, knowing that one could just pop out at any point, scared me. And they made several of them after that. Like I'm surprised. Like with the reboot nostalgia that we're getting, that Tremors has been left behind. They made especially six. considering Kevin Bacon is so game to do it. Oh yeah, they made six and a pilot for a TV version of Tremors with Kevin Bacon. And they, the pilot, for whatever reason, just never got off the ground. I think, if I remember correctly, and I, and I could be completely off on this, uh, it kind of fell in with the first writer's strike. So that's why the, the TV thing never happened back then. Um, and then I, it might have been rights and distribution issues with Tremor and Universal. But they made six. The last one, the last two or three, I think, were on Netflix recently. Um, six completing the story of one of the main characters uh, in the in the franchise. But man, I would have loved to see another Kevin Bacon one. But most of the guys, though, who were, you know, they're not around anymore. Fred Ward, um, not around. Is that monster based off of, like, the Mongolian death worm or something? It must. It must be. I don't 100% know, though, because, you know, later on I'd seen Dune. And I was like, oh, that's a a little bit of a similar kind of party. You know, the Shai Hulud and the, the Graboid. Similar in a lot of ways, although Shai Halut is just much, much bigger than a, a graboid. Um, or the worms in Beetlejuice. Sa- they were just called sandworms. But yeah. they look goofy, so they, they couldn't really scare you, you know? And it was like, you know, silly. God. Tim Burton. The graboids are so gnarly. The, the tongues or the mouth or however it works. I haven't seen the movie in years, but I remember, like, graphically, like, the mouth things that would just shoot out to grab people oh yeah gnarly so when i was 12 13 maybe uh i have you know i'm gonna share this with the world i have a small esophagus i have an actual uh issue called steakhouse i forget the actual term but they call it steakhouse syndrome where sometimes like if a larger piece of food will go down the right way it gets stuck in my throat so i was like 12 13 my throat closed up i had like this piece of chicken in there so they take me to the, the doctor they bring me to a guy. The guy pulls out this long black tube that's thick. 
And when he he goes, oh, so we're just going to shove this down your throat. And he goes, I'm looking at this. And he's like, we have like a little camera in the center. But when I push this button, like the it opens up and it, and it claws just like the graboid mouth. And I'm like, fuck me. <laughs> he's like, but we can't knock you out for this. So we're just going to put this 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 thing in the mouth to keep it open. You just you just got to take it, man. But we're going to we're going to get it out. But you're going to be fine. You'll be able to eat again soon. And I'm just like. That sounds awful. <laughs> this is hell. <laughs> and this is like pre-Saw. So like, you know, I had not even seen like what is considered like a torture porn film yet. That's terrifying. <laughs> the fact that they put a, a like a tube that you can't do anything about while they're doing this. Yeah. Uh, and it was. I mean, know. I've seen them do it to sharks during Shark Week. So I, I, I guess it's basically <laughs> same it concept. <laughs> yeah. So, so when it comes to three, two, one action, what goes into starting up like one of these games? Like when you're designing these storylines, um, you have one for the Jersey Devil, right? Like where do you start? Do you just start with an idea, like a story, and then you just snowball from there? Like what goes into the process? Yeah, that's a great question. So, three, two, one action games is me and my best friend Geo. We write these. We created the rule set together we write the games together the rule set is easy you know what makes the game actually special is that there is really no prep you just as a game runner you read the story and then as players you get to experience the story like a lot of tabletop rpgs are more open in so far as you know, there's there's loose story points that kind of take you from here. There are we have definitive stories, and if you want to play through that story, you can play through that story. If you want to just take story points out of it and run the game your own way, you can do that too. But it runs off one dice, it runs off a d10, and you just do everything based off ten, uh, with very minimal addition and subtraction. So what makes it special is we don't focus on grinding and resource management. We focus on story and focus on you as players reacting and having fun with the story and kind of, you know, while you are in the movie, you are telling the story as alongside that movie and, and being a part of it and affecting the world. So for us, I come up with an idea, George will come up with an idea, like, and we'll just kind of, I'll spitball it, he'll spitball it, and I'll just sit around and I'll write and I'll come up with like fun concepts and set pieces or like, what would be a cool weapon? And then I'll paint backwards to how does this weapon work in the world? You know, like my, my buddy Levi, who is Plan X Games, uh, he mentored me in getting into doing Kickstarters and, and, and running my little publishing company. Uh, so, you know, as a tribute to him and as a thank you, I, I made this thing called a Brother Levi flame saw, which is a, a chainsaw that's attached to a flamethrower. And it's like, you know, but you figure out how you get to that and have it make sense in the story. So we have one that is essentially... G.I. Joe gets dropped into Predator, which is called Rocket to Russia. We have uh, Escape from Point Nemo, which is the same island, but you're a documentary film crew. It's survival horror. We have one that is called Children of Uma, which is a post-apocalyptic uh, driving game. It's a, it's a vehicle RPG where the whole point is stealing other people's cars and trying to carve out a little place for your band in the wasteland. So if you imagine Mad Max, it's teenagers in the midwest in like 2060 usa with no shortage of ammunition because you know this is america we'll never run out of bullets um we have an undersea spy adventure one called mini submania we've got a miniature golf adventure called hard times of the back nine a holiday adventure uh but we a mini golf adventure it's an actual mini golf adventure wow yeah, where you uh you play you face the devil's champion ted pepe who created the DMV to try to save your great grandfather's soul. You play through nine holes of mini golf uh, as an RPG. Of course the devil created the DMV. Of course, well, he, he, he had a guy who did it, but like, you know, well, he had a hand in it. Of, of course, course he did. He did. Yeah. I, although I will say a quick sidebar, uh, Jersey DMV is fantastic. Now you make an appointment, you go in, you're in and out in 15 minutes. I don't know. Since the pandemic, it's one of the greatest things to ever happen to our state. The DMV is appointment only. You can actually go now. So, so Ted Peppy wouldn't be so bad nowadays because now now the MV's fine. He retired. He retired. Uh, we have the Sunset Limited, which is a western. It's it's essentially Castlevania on a murder train. If you can imagine that, it's a it's almost like a side scrolling RPG. And the Hotel Exorcist, which we have a solo play pamphlet adventure for, which is free, just like our rules. Um, but 
you know, the ideas for, for me, and I, and I, I can't really speak for George per se, but, you know, I approach it like R.L. Stein does. I watch this, this great thing on R.L. Stein. He's like, yeah, you know, you come up with the idea, you write the ending, and then you figure it out. You figure out the rest. So a lot of times, like, I'll come up with the concept, like the Hotel Exorcist, and I'll, I'll write the finish. I'll write the opening scene, I'll write the finish, and then I, I kind of figure out what happens in between and try to build out things like lore um, within, like, things like, you know, one of the players has a, a weapon that does this. Well, this is why this is special. This is what, how it fits into the story um, and the world at large. Like in The Devil in New Jersey, there was a butterfly knife that belonged to like a burnout that got chased in the woods that never came out. And you stole it from the principal's office, from the confiscation drawer. It's been passed down from Hesher to Hesher. So it, inf it, it gives the players an idea of what the world is that they're getting into, even though you're really our adventures are meant to be played over one or two sessions because you're. You know, again, you can run it any way you want as the game runner, but if you want to tell the story and you want to see and experience that full story, it takes like one or two sessions. What I like the best or the most is 1D10, which is very liberating, especially yeah. like for people that don't game very often. And nowadays, you don't need dice. You can just download an app. It makes yeah. it so much easier. Yeah. They made so. the barrier to entry so much better now to jump it because look not everyone's going to have access to a d10 a d20 d8 you know d100 all that other stuff but now like you could dial it up on your phone in your discord server there's an, an app for it that'll just slot into the chat that you're in and also you know granted you know we wanted to create a game that was easy for everyone to pick up it would have been even easier if we had based it off of a d6 right because now when you have a board game most people have access to d6s it just you know, that's what they that's like with. the the normal noob dice, right? Right. But w when we started working on this together, you know, a lot of it for me was influenced by my goddaughter, George's George's daughter, because, you know, I'm watching her watch things like Sesame Street and educational TV. And they're teaching you what ABCs and one, two, threes. And it seems like a broad generalization. But most people can count to 10. Most people can do simple addition and simple subtraction comfortably. So that's why it was based off of the idea of the D10. You have to roll at or below your stat, which will be anywhere from a two to a nine. And then if you get a bonus, you subtract one, two, or three. If you get a penalty, you add one, two, or three. That's it. And if you want to attack something, all the attacks automatically hit. You just roll damage. And on a D6, I know like these are small numbers, but it's easier to add and subtract from 10 than it is just from six. Exactly. And that's, yeah. that's the whole point. We want people to just jump in and play and feel comfortable doing it. If you read a book, if you watched a movie, if you read comics, if, if, you, if someone has told you a story and you've just existed in the world, you, you can do the things you want to do. Like, it's not necessarily like, do I have this on a stat? It's, okay, well, I want to, like, you know, climb up this fire escape. Okay, cool. I want to, like, you know dive deep down into this water and try to like dig up this ancient sword okay cool well roll this and that's it you know i want to fly a helicopter okay well how do you know how to fly a helicopter we ask people this is one the, the main mechanic the main tenant of action is fill the plot hole in two sentences all you have to do because i might be like well if you want to fly the helicopter it's going to be an action check plus three which is going to be hard say if you have an action check action status six or you could be like well you know, fill the plot hole in two sentences. I got mono one summer, so I logged a lot of hours in Flight Simulator. Cool. Done. And it is something that enhances the gameplay and story for everybody because now you're, you're making people laugh. Like, you're, you've added depth to your character by just coming up with the stupidest excuse as to why this could possibly work. Because, look, when you watch a movie, right, suddenly this guy just knows how to do all this stuff. And, like, you don't have, like, this lavish backstory explaining why, like, you know, suddenly this dude can like do sweet stunts on a motorbike. It's just like, well, you know, one summer I spent a lot of time with my dirt bag cousin. My mom hated it because we used to ride dirt bikes all the time. You know, she was used to yell at me to wear a helmet. Plot hole filled two sentences. And that's how the game works. Yeah, it's very it's very accessible, which I like. Um, yeah. I, I've tried to dabble in tabletop and I'm always very easily overwhelmed and intimidated because Oftentimes you'll you'll join a game with very seasoned gamers, right? And they're very complicated rules and a lot of things to keep track of. 
And what I like from what I've read is that it's fun and it's easy to get into. I appreciate that. You know, I'm a fan of the horror medium. Huge fan. I don't know if you can see my Barbie Fangoria t-shirt that I'm wearing. Uh, I love it. And, you know, when I approach writing, I try to remind people why they love it too. And just kind of give nods and flourishes to, you know, things that I've seen, things that I've experienced where you're reading it and you you kind of feel like you've you've been in this story before and you, you kind of know how to maneuver through the story, but maybe you don't know everything because there's always a twist. Uh, the Devil in New Jersey is a very personal adventure to me. Like, yes, you were, you're going to, and into the, the Pine Barrens. You're going to fight like supernatural stuff, but like it's the themes of friendship. It's the themes of like when you're young and you're desperate and your friends are your found family, like, when something happens to one of you, you all get up and you all go in like 44 years old. I can't imagine like, oh, crap. Now I got to like go into like, you know, the, going into the woods and go fight some monster because my buddy like decided to like go into a place he wasn't supposed to go. Whereas like, you know, you're a kid, you're like, Jimmy's missing. Let's go. <laughs> like you're going to grab your whatever kind of weapons you have lying around hockey sticks and just you're going to go. And, and I, I think that there's there's something important about reminding people of how it felt and how important it felt to care so much about your friends and the things that matter to you when you were young. And that's, that's, you know, really what the devil in New Jersey is about. Plus, you know, supernatural weirdness and, you know, fighting. So where can they get our listeners? Where could they get a copy? So if you are a person who loves just getting things on PDF, you can go to drive through RPG uh, ham and egg press is our the name of our publishing company so ham and egg press all the three to one action adventures there if you just want to try the stuff our rule book will always be free we're actually in the process of updating it and adding some more uh, different kind of rules to it like our horror rules like our vehicle rules however uh, if you want a physical copy if you see us out and about we keep it light things gonna be like five bucks because we want people to be able to access it and try it out if you want to just download it and read it, it's always going to be free no matter what we put into it. It's important that people have access to the rules so they can play the game. So rulebook's always going to be free digitally, five bucks if you find us out and about in the world. Um, if you want physical copies of the book, we have them for sale at Exalted Funeral, which has such cool and killer independent stuff. Even if you are not a person who feels like you want to play independent RPGs, there's so many cool stuff to read so many cool ideas out there so many great independent creators uh exaltedfuneral.com has all of our books under 321 action uh and when you buy the book you get the pdf included as well we keep things reasonably priced because we want people to be able to afford it and play it and also to your point before you mentioned the books right and it's kind of daunting you know i'm a college dropout and the dungeons and dragon no no shade of dungeons and dragons i love Dungeons and Dragons with the fire of a thousand burning suns. However, their rule book is like three hundred something pages. It's like it's like a college textbook. Like it's too many. And there's rules. several versions. Yeah, there's too many rules for me, man. You know, I play D and D weekly to this day. However, for me, when I was working with George and creating three to one action, like the rule book is like I don't know twenty pages, and there's pictures and the font's big, and it's it's just you know there's like two pages to tell you like about content warnings lines and veils so you make sure everyone's comfortable and feel safe at your tables there's like a page and a half that is like you know the quick play rules and then there's the cover which counts as like four pages so there's really not a whole lot of rules here guys uh try it out it's free and also i think there's four free solo adventures on drive through rpg as well so you can get your feet wet including miniature golf rules I'm definitely most interested in the mini golf one. (laughs) Okay, so the news of the hour, which I think at this point, the internet has already uh, decided. What the hell is going on in the Mexican Congress? with these aliens dude i don't even know have you seen those pictures have 
and I mean, I've been seeing so many memes of it and everything. Everyone is saying that it's fake. I don't know if I believe it exactly. They're saying that the guy that proposed all the stuff is is like a fraud. I think it's hard to say nowadays, you know, because back in the day, something like that would come up that would be firmly on the cover of the Weekly World News, right? Or the Inquirer, or the Inquirer, Bat Boy, Bat Boy, yeah, all right. And that's the, that is like, you know, that picture looks perfect for the cover of the Inquirer. It absolutely does. And, you know, for people who would write these gossip rags or these, like, you know, we like, you know, Weekly World News, it, like, predated, like, Weird New Jersey. It was, I think, I think published by the people who published the Inquirer, which is like, this is the weird stuff that was going on. Elvis sightings. Here's Bigfoot. Like, you know, it would be like Christmas Day for the publishers of the Weekly World News in these other places, you know? You know, at the to be having these at the, the supermarket on the, you know, as you're in the checkout line about to go in and buy this. But that's the caliber of like photos that you're seeing. That's like the the level of like, is this a rib? This this can't possibly be real, you know? It it's sad a part of it for me because I believe in aliens. I believe that they're real. Like it would be silly to think that we're the only things in this whole universe. Of course. Um, I just I don't know if those are real. Because these little tiny things, like they look like the MIB aliens. Yeah. But I don't know. I, a part of me wants to believe deeply, but I don't think that's it. So, yeah, I, 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 there has to be other life out there, you know, like, and, you know, there's a whole like, you know, old, old Danzig, I believe in God, I believe in the devil too. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you, you can't have one without the other. However, I'm also a believer that like, if there is, once you unscrew that light bulb, you can't put it back, you know, like there's got to be an escalation that will occur once we prove that something like that actually exists. And I don't know if I'm ready for that personally, you know, like I, uh, you know, I know we were promised a jetpack future in the Jetsons and stuff like that. And I feel like we're kind of close with the iPhones and self-driving cars and, you know, uh, but I'm not ready for actual aliens yet. <laughs> So one of my biggest fears is aliens, period. But like yeah. specifically like the the gray ones with the big eyes and the long fingers, those are the ones that scare me. Like the xenomorphs and stuff like that don't really scare me. Oh, they scare the shit. But the out ones of me. that like abduct you. Yeah. Like the, the did you ever see like the fourth encounter or no, was it the fifth the fifth kind? Close. I think the one with Mila Jovovich. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that movie as much as everyone shits on it terrified me yeah <laughs> terrified me. yeah no I... so for me the the gray long finger ones are freaky but i think that i've been conditioned to seeing them enough that they don't bother me as much as say like the xenomorph which you know I i'll tell you pound for pound if it's freddy jason leatherface chucky or a xenomorph i'm choosing the xenomorph because i know i have no chance and I'm just going to happily shit my pants and accept death when that xenomorph comes for me. Because, like, you know, talk about, like, tremors freaking me out. The xenomorph, like, unsettled me even more. Because, yes, you could blow them up. But, oh, cool, I blew them up, and now I'm covered in acid. Now I'm dying even horribly a different way. For me, the, the problem with the xenomorph, not that they're not scary. My brain has just compartmentalized them into, like, creature, beast, and not, like... Fair point alien that is going to abduct me and experiment and then wipe my memory and then i'm gonna have to be hypnotized at some point to like uncover these things yeah so like xenomorph is more it is terrifying scary but they're like beasts creature yeah. features not aliens even though they are aliens right however if we unlock your aliens and that happens to be real What's to say the xenomorphs aren't going to be following on their tail? That's the, uh, the the light bulb I'm talking about unscrewing. Oh God! It gets. I'm worse. sure, like at that point, like if if the gray aliens are real, like they would have an awareness of like the xenomorph. I would hope they'd warn us. At least give us some kind of global. <laughs> Listen, you know what? You want to experiment on me and wipe my memory afterwards? Fine. Just protect us from the xenomorphs. I don't know if the Congress stuff is real. It's hard to tell nowadays, man. You know, we have enough 
dis and misinformation going around baseline in our country about things that are somewhat mundane to say that like in another country where there's a different level of potential scrutiny of this kind of information and like i don't know i because it, it, my brain is always saying like oh but they're they're sworn under oath and i'm like so why can't they just lie yeah <laughs> what's stopping them from just lying so what you know like you, you get sworn in you don't have to get sworn in a bible like i could get sworn in a dungeon master's guide so like and i can still lie i can still do whatever i want you know but i don't know i, I think also we've seen now like you go on like instagram you go on social media you can like you know join up at these schools and learn how to make monsters like people are very good at making deep fakes people it's it's the kind of like technology that we would have seen back in the day in movies that would have seemed like so far away where it's like oh but that's but that's 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 not actually him it's a it's a it's a fake video like look it does this it's like well now you could actually do that on your iphone like create these like fake videos and swap faces so like i don't know man i'm hard pressed to to believe it until it really starts you know coming to light more and more facts like i'm more curious to see like with the freedom of information act and like time kind of going by more and more of what we're going to actually find out about area 51 and, and things that like our government is trying to cover up or have been covering up. I mean, that's probably just as scary. Do you remember back in the day, the area 51 video games? Oh yeah. I love those it. were a lot of fun. They were so much fun, man. Oh yeah. yeah that's a roll of quarters. I'll never get back again. And I'm glad <laughs> to spend it. But September 16th marked Jennifer Tilly's birthday. I love her. And I love Jennifer Tilly as well. Um, And I don't know. She's great. I just wanted to mention that because I don't think enough people talk about Jennifer Tilly. And she's like this underrated horror icon slash poker master. I don't know how people don't know that. She's like this world-renowned poker master. Well, she was very prevalent in Hollywood for like... I don't even want to say a hot second, but in Hollywood time, it was kind of like a hot second where you know, seemingly Jennifer Tilly was everywhere. And then she just kind of kept acting, but wasn't, I guess, so much on the marquee, as it were, you know, because there's always that cycle in Hollywood where you are the marquee star. You're the, you know, the, you're the big guy. Like for a hot second, for a little while, you had like Jennifer Lawrence, you had Scarlett Johansson, you had like. The Rock, where The Rock was everywhere. And like, it's like, oh, The Rock's going to be the next big guy. And he is for a while. Then he disappears. Jim Carrey, like, it, it's cyclical, right? And she kept acting. But then she went and joined up and started, like, becoming this bad boss at poker. Like, just a world-renowned, exceptional poker player. And that's not that's, not, that's something I'm sure that they mentioned. But, like, you know like any other kind of news cycle it just kind of gets swept over so like when it gets mentioned here and there you're like all right that's great you know she is an oscar nominated actress just like her sister she has a sister who is also oscar nominated and she uh she rules at poker and now she's currently on chucky seemingly like having the time of her life she just posted that she was in las vegas and mentioned how like eerie the place is because of the whole hacking situation at mgm oh yeah like, the whole place is basically on lockdown. I didn't know she had a sister, honestly, until um, they mentioned her in Chucky. Yeah, and they make a joke about how she was nominated for an Oscar first. And I was like, this can't be. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, wow. Like, you know, that had to be, like, a great day for, like, the parents in that household. It's like, both my kids get a gold star. Awesome. Like, and that's the kind of, I think, interesting thing about, you know, Hollywood movies and things of that nature where, you know, you always hear this person is an Oscar award winning, you know, Academy Award winning person for this, this and this best picture, best actress, best actor. But then you you also forget that there's other people who get nominated as well. And it's just as equally an honor for them to have. And, and it speaks volumes about their work that when they're kind of off doing like indie movies, you're just like, oh, wait, that's right you were also, you know, up on the big stage having a cup of coffee.
So now that Chucky season two is on Peacock and season three is coming out, I think October 6th, I believe. So um, I checked this out the other day. It's whatever day it's coming out. I think it's either the it's October 6th and then the next day it'll be on Peacock. Thank God, because I waited a year for season two. Us too. It drove me crazy. And on Shutter, it said it had both seasons. But every time you try to get to season two, it would not unlock. I think it maybe only was in Canada, if I read correctly. But it's like, well, don't tease me. I was so bad. I bitched so much at Peacock on Twitter. Like every couple months, I'd be like, where's Chucky? Where's Chucky? What the hell is going on? Because season one aired relatively like on schedule yeah. on Peacock. And then it got announced on Shudder. Season one came out and I was like, okay, maybe Shudder's going to be the new home of Chucky. And then we didn't get season two. And I was debating on whether I should just buy the whole season two just so I could watch it because I was so desperate to watch it. I'm glad I, I held out because it just came to Peacock now yeah, right I before had, season three. I had the same thought, but I was like, you know what? If they have it up on Shudder and it said it's supposed to be there, it's going to be here any day, then I would just keep forgetting about it. And then I'd, I'd look it up and I'd get mad and I'd be like, yeah, I should just buy the thing. But then it just appeared on Peacock and like, I'm glad that they're finally like, oh yeah, we, we, they probably realized that they made people wait too long. So here's you know, season three will be on the day after it airs. Kind of like the way they used to do things on like Hulu and, you know, other streamers. But uh, I'm so excited for it. I am too. Even though, I don't know, uh, have you seen the teaser for season three? I have not because I was like, a, I didn't want to know because I didn't want anything to potentially spoil my experience for season two. So you have no idea what season three is potentially about? I, I know the broad strokes of it. I just didn't want to, because you know, you can know the broad strokes of it and that's cool. But once you watch the teaser, you're going to see who's in it. And then you're like, well, then I know this character so-and-so made it or died or whatever. So I've been in, you know, Sally and I have been watching it. We've, we're binging through it. We're going to probably finish it today. Um, and <laughs> when certain characters pop up, you pop and like, it's, it's nice to be able to not have that spoiled for you in a way that like when it, it's meant to happen and excite you, it's like, yes, this is happening. Uh, but man, it's well, it's so good. It's so meta. When you get to the end of season two, there's a Christmas episode. And that episode will be worthy of rewatching every holiday season for uh, sure. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. You know, on Instagram, we're constantly, you know, putzing around with our audience. A lot of people don't believe Chucky is scary. And I know like there's a a delicate balancing act with Chucky because he's funny. He's a doll, but as a child, and I know you share the same feeling, I was terrified of Chucky. There was never a moment when I would go to the bathroom to pee as a child that I would not check the hamper because I swore Chucky would be in there ready to kill me. Yeah. Your brother didn't even have a, my buddy doll like mine did. So like, I, yeah, it's scary. And then when you get older, you're like, ah, it's not scary. Chucky's a doll. How, how do you get killed by a doll? Like that's like, two three feet tall like whatever like it's you start getting like some bravado about it right and then your buddy has a kid and she is freakishly strong and she's like uncle hambo i'm gonna climb on you and she kind of puts her arm around you and you end up getting like kind of choked out by this like two foot almost three foot kid and you're like oh i can see it now i can see how chucky can go around killing all these people because like i almost got taken out by a toddler the other day you know like <laughs> i get it well, Chucky's supposed to have, like, the strength of Charles Lee Ray in a doll. Right. But, you know, and again, my brain is like kind of foggy in it. But Charles Lee Ray, like, it didn't seem like he was as, you know, it's it's not like he's like Brad Pitt in Fight Club. I imagine he pulls off the shirt and you're like, oh, I get it. You know, like, but there are things that pop up in season two, which would lead you to believe that, okay, well, maybe, you know. But, like, you know, Chucky, Chucky's diabolical. Chucky's stealthy. Chucky is you know, like a, a patient silent killer. It's it's so weird how, you know, Chucky went from like, I'm Chucky wanna play in like the first one to becoming, you know, like kind of like Freddy in a lot of ways where it's like, oh, this is like, you know, he's funny, but this is deadly serious to being like, oh, he's funny, just he's still deadly, but like now he's like a lot fucking funnier, you know? I we're not gonna get too much into it, but if if our listeners haven't watched it yet, definitely watch it. Season one was incredible of yeah. Chucky perfect like i honestly thought before it came out it was going to be trash i thought it was going to be corny me too 
and then I gave it a try and I was obsessed with it. It was very nuanced. It was very funny. It was very smart. Season two came out and I'll be honest, the first episode I was, I thought it was a little slow. Same. And then it really picked up and you got to experience different Chucky's and um, I'm very much looking forward to season three. You know, I, I think that in storytelling, in movies and stuff, in TV shows, we often forget that like the end of the first one is massive. Like this is this, this it has to give you that big finish so you're like, oh my god, I gotta watch more. But they, it, you, you can't keep that intensity for the first episode of the next season or the the, the first little bit of the next movie. You got to like slow it down a little bit because characters have to settle in. And and I think that they did, although it was slow, they did a great job settling the characters in to build up to a new scenario, which is just going bonkers it is just going completely like sideways weird and even more meta than i think the first season was and like you know big big ups to don mancini who like has been the creative vision of chucky from the very beginning until now like created it read it created who wrote doesn't it. get half the accolades he deserves not even remotely close because you know once you once you hear about it you're like wait did, was he involved in all of them and you're like oh well yeah he didn't he didn't do the reboot which I, I thought it was fine, but it wasn't Chucky, you know, but like, yeah, such a, such an incredible, like body of work from start to finish. It's, it kind of creates its own like Avengers universe, but in like Chucky, which I think is like, you know, something that it, it's, it's hard to do. It's hard to maintain and like hard to execute properly. But man, when you do, it is so good. And Chucky is Chucky's fantastic, man. I, I can't say enough great things about Chucky. So what did you think about, because you mentioned it, the recent reboot? I thought it was pretty Child's good. Play. I enjoyed it. It's it's difficult to to look at reboots and sequels sometimes because, or even requels, because you're trying to milk an IP that's beloved and kind of build it out for a new generation. Right. So and a lot of times, like, you know, you look at Star Wars, like you look at uh, episode seven, where episode seven was essentially a new hope kind of redone and repackaged with like the old the old guard and the new guard kind of coming together, trying to build out the finish out the Skywalker story while still introducing new characters that they could bounce off of and, and give people of a new generation. You know, that Star Wars experience and, and their own characters to latch on to that aren't, you know, Luke, Leia and Han. Um and it's a little more, I think, easy to do when you have kind of like a, a robust Star Wars universe around there. Like you've got like the Rebels, you've got the Bad Batch, you've got the Clone Wars cartoons. There's different avenues that people are already latching onto, so you can kind of go off in those directions. It's an active property. Whereas something like active property insofar that it is constantly going on on multiple fronts uh, and not in the original form. Whereas like, the child's play thing is weird because like it is still a very active property. It's still a very like it's ongoing. So you're, you're essentially kind of putting out this new version of it alongside of like the beloved version that is still kind of happening. It kind of, it kind of ran parallel. And I think that might've been the downfall of it was that it was good. Uh, I, I did very much enjoy it, but it, it didn't really resonate the way that the character has always resonated with me and with, with, I think, fans. I think a lot of people are repulsed by that movie, but I think as a killer doll movie, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's it's fine. Um, of course, I, I, I'm almost 100% sure Don Mancini had nothing to do with nope. it, uh, um, which is probably why it lacks that little wink and charm that Don, you know, puts out. Um, but I, I thought it was fine as a killer doll movie. I don't, I, if you're going to compare it to Chucky, of course, but there's yeah. a reason why it's child's play and not Chucky. Exactly. And, and probably massive rights issues. Who knows? But, uh, that's for the lawyers to figure out. So over the past week, I saw all over Twitter this new Saw ad that was basically 
poking fun at the Nicole Kidman AMC ad. The greatest ad ever to be put on the internet. <laughs> the the Saw one or the Nicole Kidman one? The Saw one, because <laughs> let me tell you, buddy, every time I go to the theater, I'm like, okay, how do I time this right so I could watch the trailers and then dip out before the no- Nicole Kidman we come to the movies uh, ad? Or just can I time it just right to get in there right as the credits are starting so I could skip the Nicole Kidman thing? Because I can't believe they're still showing it. You know, I'm I'm one of those crazy people that I love trailers. Me too. I love to go to the theater early. I will never complain that there's 20 minutes of trailers. Yeah. Because I enjoy to watch them. I will sit on YouTube and I will watch trailers. Yeah. So I will watch any trailer they force feed me. And then the Nicole Kidman ad comes on. And I, I'm also, at least at the start, I really enjoyed them because they're so ridiculous. It's so over the top. It's it's very silly. I feel very campy. But it's been a while now. It's like, brutal. when are they going to let it go? And the fact that we got this hilarious, super fun Saw version of that ad. And the fact that AMC basically told them to take it down is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. No, they put them over a barrel and showed them the 50 states over that one. Like, you know, for those who may not be familiar with that that Nicole Kidman trailer, you know, during the pandemic, there was this whole thing where, like, they're trying to get people to go back to the movie. So they hire Nicole Kidman. I don't know why, but they pick Nicole Kidman, and she goes into an AMC theater, and she walks in alone, and she tells you all the reasons why going to the movies feels good, and heartbreak feels good, and a place like this. And, like, you know, things of that nature, and trying to, to remind you why you love going to the movies. And it was aptly pointed out by jimmy kimmel at some award show she's sitting in the front row and he's like oh and look nicole kidman's here from the amc trailer that's only the amc like we need to get people to go back to movies trailer that's only actually shown at amc theaters because that's the only place it exists it only exists in amc theaters they don't show it on tv it's you know it's on the internet if you go looking for it but it's not for people who are not already in the movies to try to get them to come back to the movies so the saw parody was just chef's kiss so perfect and like so dialed into you know going back to you know we were talking about chucky a lot in this episode but like it dials into like the humor aspect of horror where they're showing you like those parts in the saw movie where there's those moments of levity but also showing you like the horrific things that happen in a saw movie and they do it timed perfectly to this nicole kidman trailer and it pissed amc theaters off so bad If they were smart, though, they would know that that ad pays homage to their ad. Like, everyone that watches that knows that it's the AMC Nicole ad. Yeah. So what is the problem? Like, it's they're basically getting a signal boost to their ad. That's all it's doing. I mean, they've learned nothing from Barbenheimer, where I would die on this hill to say that when you acknowledge the joke... And it, again, it's, it's not mean spirited. It's not punching down. It's not hurting anybody. But when you acknowledge the joke and you laugh along with it, both parties get to win. Like, they're like, oh, I'm going to go see Oppenheimer and I'm going to go see Barbie. It's Now it's Barbenheimer. And then what happened opening weekend? Double features left and right. Double features left and right. That theater's printing money. And people who probably would not have ever gone to see Barbie or ever gone to see Oppenheimer went to see both movies. They like it, it, the joke, like really supported both of those movies so much. Now, granted, I'm sure Oppenheimer would have done fine, but I believe it would done even better because they were like, yeah, Barbenheimer, t-shirts, memes, like, like you got to You got even the actors were in on it. They were both in on it, and like you know, I, I don't. I've never imagined. I've heard Cillian Murphy like smile or laugh or anything, but like you know, he even seemed like he was having a good time with it. Because it it did what the AMC Nicole Kidman ad aimed to do, which was get people to go back to the movie theater. Yeah. And th- the fact that she got paid $25 million or something for that. Yeah. <laughs> for a paragraph of text or less. I don't even know. Oh, no. It can't be a lot. I, I think it's... It's a few I, sentences. I forget. Someone someone put it up. I think it... it it's it's a it's such a small amount of words it's like probably less than like 200 words and she got paid 25 million dollars to do it like day of work she just walks in 
and like sometimes heartbreak feels good in a place like this and you're like well she's laughed all the way to the bank i don't i don't know what what she could possibly complain about in this situation you know it was never going to get nominated for an oscar and award but like yeah amc dropped the ball big time I mean, at that point 25 million who cares <laughs> man i would charge her more to wash her car now knowing that she got paid that much to do that ad i was like i'll mow your lawn Here's, please this is ten thousand dollars yeah, so I don't know. They should have done something. They should have played that ad before the actual Saw movie. Oh, absolutely. And like they should have played it up and they should have just like found the folks that put it together and aired it before the Saw movie just for like a special thing for that movie. I'm sure they would have made so much money. You know, I tend to think though, historically, even though horror is a long loved genre people still thumb their nose at horror and they they just are like oh it's, it's just gonna be a horror movie like whatever but when you look at the things that perform well and, and make money consistently it's always horror movies and for studios horror will always have a fraction of the budget that like say like a barbie will and they'll make that money back multiple times over like look at megan you know it's like well this this costs practically in 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 hollywood money practically nothing to make and then it's it's a massive blockbuster well, horror fans are one of the few fans that still are obsessed with physical media yeah they will buy every single version of the vhs dvd doesn't matter they will buy movie posters t-shirts you name it horror fans you don't see that you know for rom-coms you don't see that for almost any other genre no I mean, and we're constantly getting slighted. And it's crazy because the horror fans are some of the people who spend the most money. And yeah. horror fans are the ones who go to theaters to watch these movies. And will like, you buy it. I mean, I don't have a lot of physical media. Me, like, I live in, like, a 350-square-foot apartment. I, there's no room at the end. However, you know, I go to the movies. I, I have the streaming services that I pay for to watch these movies on. And like, I mean, even, you know, say what you will about it, Rob Zombie's Munsters, he made a deal with Universal to be like, listen, I, I at, at one point, he's like, I don't care what you do. I just need to have a physical copy of this movie because people will buy it because his fans, regardless of the quality of the movie, bought that, D, bought that Blu-ray. And I'm sure that Blu-ray sold more than your average rom-com, you know, kids movie, whatever, for that time. I mean, there will be no Rob Zombie slander here. Oh, I, I, listen, I, 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 I like Rob Zombie. Yeah. I like but the I don't, idea of Rob Zombie. You have to buy into his vision. Yeah, of course. I don't know. Maybe it's because House of a Thousand Corpses just like scratched this itch for me when it came out that I just bonded with him. Yeah. But I don't think he's perfect. I don't think no. all his stuff is great. Um, I didn't really like the monsters, but yeah. I like a lot of his other stuff. I mean, I still maintain that The Devil's Rejects is one of the best modern grindhouse movies ever made. You know, I think it, it really struck the right balance and the right chord. And I think that for a movie to show, like House of a Thousand Corpses is awesome. But like, I think for a movie to really show a vision from start to finish and like what he could do, like Devil's Rejects was something special. Yeah. House of a Thousand Corpses to me is just like a lot of fun. It's like a very long music video. It's it very stylish. And I don't know. I think it came out in like 2004. Yeah. And, uh, something about that. It just was perfect for me at that time when it came out. And it just, I love it. Yeah. One I'm of a, my favorites. I, I'm a firm believer that there's, you know, no guilty pleasures. If you love it, you like it, it's cool, man. And, and tell me why you love it. And that'll make me like it even more. So now it's time for our trivia portion. No one has been able to get all 15 questions correct yet. I probably won't. No one. No. But I'm going to try. <laughs> but it's all for fun. So it's no big deal. No one's going to judge you. It's, it's very hard to know everything. So let's see. Question one. In which state does the Blair Witch Project take place? Maryland. Correct. 
What year was the first Saw movie released? Oh, that was 2002. 2004. Ah, it was close. In which city does Rosemary's Baby take place? What well, doesn't it take place in Washington, D.C.? No? Chicago? New York City. That's New York, right. Okay. I feel like whenever I think of that movie, I always imagine the Dakota. For some reason, I don't even know if it was filmed in there. The, the building where John Lennon lived with Yoko Ono. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I forgot. I forgot that. Huh. In Halloween, Michael Myers as a child kills his teenage sister. What's her name? Oh, boy. All right. It's, 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 I'm swishing it around in my head because I'm trying to think of like the, the gravestone and whatever. Um, I want to say Jessica. I definitely wouldn't get this question right either. It's hard. Judith. Judith. Oh, Judith see, I'm, 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 I'm like so close on these things. All right. So some of these are, are a little bit easier because I know I wouldn't have gotten that one or the Saw movie either. Um, what is the name of the hotel Jack Torrance is hired to care for in The Shining? The Stanley. Close that. That's the name of the real. That's the name life. of the real hotel. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because Murder by Death does a, a show there every single year uh, on New Year's. Did Eve you know you could hotel. actually stay at the Stanley? You can. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so my friend's band they do like a yearly like New Year's Eve at the Stanley Hotel. They do a concert there. Everyone gets dressed up. I'm not going to go to Colorado in the middle of the winter, but yeah, the Stanley Hotel. Uh, what is what's the actual one from The Shining? The Overlook Hotel. The Overlook. Yes. Okay. What is the name of the pop-up book Samuel asks Amelia to read to him in the Babadook? Oh, I, I off the top of my head, I don't know. I just every time I hear the Babadook, I think Duke, Duke, Duke. You know, that's that's my take. <laughs> it's basically the same name, Mister Babadook. Trick oh, question. All right, so this is a little '90s throwback. What is used to suppress the Leprechaun's powers in the Leprechaun? A shamrock. Correct. In the purge, how long does the annual purge last? Uh, from. So how many hours? It goes from. I think it ends at 6 a.m., but I think it goes from 7 or 8 p.m. at night till 6 a.m. So the answer is 12 hours. 12 hours, yeah. So... That was close. I, I'll give it to you. What town does Jaws take place in? Amity. Correct. Fun fact, though, Jaws actually, I found out, was uh, based on a town in New Jersey. I know. I, I've heard of that, too. It's Did you know there was Madelon. like a, a shark tunnel or something in New Jersey that looks terrifying? I would never go through it. No. I, it, there's like a river where this all took place yeah and they painted like there's the the tunnel hole and they painted a shark's mouth around the hole so it looks like you're like kayaking through a shark's mouth hell no i would never go in that no i wouldn't i wouldn't even dare someone to do it i feel bad no thanks in host a group of friends accidentally summon a supernatural force by doing what over zoom oh they were having a seance correct which actor made his film debut in A Nightmare on Elm Street? Ooh. Johnny Depp. See, we just had a hard little spot there. What is the name of the virus that infects humanity in 28 days later? Oh. Uh... The rage virus? Correct. Where does the thing take place? Outpost 31. Antarctica. Correct. 
What is the name of the serial killer who possesses a doll and becomes Chucky in Child's Play? James R.I. Can you say that again? James Earl Ray? Charles. Charles Lee Ray. Charles Lee Ray. Yeah. Oh, my God. We've been talking about this for the whole hour. And like, oh, my brain. Charles Lee Ray. Yeah. My brain is putting. I, I know you knew that one, so I'll give it to you. Yeah. All right. Last one. Who directed the 1979 film Alien? Ridley Scott. Yeah. Correct. So there was just like a little bumpy section at the start. Yeah, I'm sure I wouldn't have gotten some of those either. I'm sure your listeners would be like, how did he botch the Chucky guy name? He's been talking about <laughs> it for an hour. That's why I gave it to you, because I know you know it. We, we said it a couple times beforehand. Yeah. All right, so before we say our goodbyes, is there anything you think our listeners should check out, whether it's an album, a movie, a book, anything you like? Well, um, King Diamonds Them just turned 35. Uh, I just posted about it on my Instagram, actually. It is, and I'm going to bring it up right now because I think it's such an important album that people should go and check out. Um, oh, I didn't post about it. I, I guess I didn't hit the button. But, you know, when an album turns that old, I think it's such an important thing to go back and, like, kind of listen to it and remember why you uh, loved it so much. But, yeah, Them turned uh, 35 on September 13th is what I was looking for. I think that's very cool. Uh, I think the upcoming fall of the House of Usher uh, is it looks spectacular. And I feel like Mike Flanagan and crew are going all in on that. I definitely think that, uh, you know, if you're going to go see The Nun 2, you should definitely watch The Nun 1 again because it it's oddly a monster movie at its core. And I think that's something that isn't so much done in that kind of universe that it exists in that it, it kind of like stands out a little more on the second watch. I know people kind of were like, I don't know about it, but I definitely think that's worth a rewatch. Um, if you haven't seen mystery incorporated, the Scooby-Doo cartoon that's on Netflix. It is the best version of Scooby-Doo and uh, the Scooby gang. You'll ever see great storytelling, uh, very satisfying story from front to back. I highly recommend that. And yeah, uh, if you would be so kind, uh, the Hotel Exorcist does come out. Uh, it does launch on Kickstarter on October 13th, Friday, October 13th. You actually get to play a team of exorcists that have to uh, clear out uh, a supernatural invasion of sorts in a small Pennsylvania resort town. And uh, it's going to be a lot of twists and turns. It's going to be a lot of fun. Sometimes calling Ghostbusters isn't enough. Come for the thrills stay for the chills the hotel exorcist you can find links to it all over my social media at john mcguire pg on the twitter on the instagram i'm on blue sky as well now uh but yeah please if you don't mind check it out go to drive through rpg any of my links will take you places to buy three to one action stuff or get some stuff for free i know you're gonna love it yeah definitely check out hotel exorcist i've had a little peek at it it looks like a lot of fun. I can't wait for the Kickstarter to launch. I'll definitely be supporting you. And um, did you mention where they can find you on Twitter and Instagram? Yeah, at John McGuire RPG. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Blue Sky now. Uh, I, I'm kind of three to one action games is on Facebook. Uh, I post there. I, uh, I have a three to one action games TikTok that I don't post on enough because it's hard being on social media. Like when you just, I just, I just want to create stuff and write, man, you know, but I mean, you're telling me like, Oh, I know managing you know. all the social media and then keeping track of what social media is out and which social media is in. It is, it sucks. Yeah. It's, it's tough, but you know, you, you do a great job. I love, well, thanks. I love your Instagram feed. I love, you know, going to your site and checking out the stuff that's written there. I think all the stuff that's written there, especially I just like, you know, you mentioned at the top of the hour, the, uh, the the first steps into horror which i think is a uh i think it's it's nice to remind people that you can make baby steps into this and not everything is going to be terrifier too so people like to poo poo on it but you know the goosebumps and the are you afraid of the darks of the world oh, were important for us so important like, and honestly like going back the new it are you afraid of the dark i enjoyed the the reboots they were so good they i don't were know why so people good. shit on them yeah, and we're getting a new Goosebumps probably in the next like week or so on Disney Plus with uh, yeah. Justin Long. No, Gateway you know, horror is just as important as indie horror, as slasher horror, as you know, big budget Warner Brothers pictures horror. Um, 
yeah, I think I think it's cool. I think we're we're entering a really cool time period where, you know, we're seeing a lot of great stuff uptown and downtown on the indie level. So I'm I'm excited for it. You know, like I love this stuff. That wraps up episode 12 of our podcast. It's been a nightmare. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Horror Press LLC, as well as on TikTok at Horror Press. Don't be afraid to reach out and let us know what you think on social media. Be sure to leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. We look forward to seeing you soon for the next episode of the Horror Press Podcast. Horror Press.